Hey everybody, welcome to episode 47 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett, here with Jimmy Durista. Hello everybody. And David Picciuto. Howdy. How's it going? Very good. Cool. Well, it's. I feel like I just saw you guys, but... You did. I did. Oh, that's right, I did. Yep. I did. <laughs> yeah, we all got to hang out this weekend, which was really awesome. Uh, so, uh, what are you guys up to? Uh, what am I up to? So... A couple days ago, I sent off the Getting Started with Your Laser Machine video to Rockler for their channel. And then I've been recording and working on the next video, which is Getting Started with Your Laser Machine software. Uh, and then uh, and after I do these two Getting Started videos, then I'm going to do some some project videos that will go on both channels. And uh, that's that's about it kind of cleaning up the basement on december 7th they're coming to do our waterproofing something that we scheduled like six months ago and they're finally getting to it and my shop's already small and we have to have everything three feet away from the wall so yeah but um it'll be nice to have a a waterproof basement with humidity control and we can paint the walls again and they should stay white instead of watery yellow and so i probably won't have any actual woodworking videos for the rest of the year i might do a lathe video i may do some just uh, laser engraving videos but uh probably no woodworking videos since i won't have access to a full working shop yeah i'm okay with it i've i've got a couple videos in the in the in the pipe to edit uh pipe pike is it pipe or pike somebody clear this either one so i uh I so a couple- pipe all right, so pipeline, pipeline. So I got a couple of videos in the pipeline that I need to edit, or in the pike line. <laughs> yeah, so that's me, Jimmy. Uh, what am I working on? I'm upstate for the week. I actually saw you guys in Rochester. I woke up Friday morning, went to school, uh, came back from school, went to to work in my shop, left the city at like midnight, drove here, dropped Taylor off in upstate New York, and then drove to see you guys. Never ever slept, hung out with you guys all day Saturday. I did sleep a little bit along the ride, but not properly. And then hung out with you guys all day Saturday until about midnight, drove back here, but I did get to finally sleep in the car and drove back with Dave, actually. And then Dave spent the day here. Dave actually shot a video here on Sunday, Sunday morning until his bus came at about uh, four or five o'clock. So Dave was working on a little blacksmithing video out in my garage. So I'll probably appear in that. We spent a little time tooling around in the old pickup truck that I'm working on and uh, then I started while I'm here, I'm working on a few projects. I'm here all week. And I started working on my pay it forward video, which is going to be chess pieces. So that's on my Instagram and that's, that's a lot of fun. So I get to work on my big lathe here. I'm making them out of brass, but only as, as forms, then they'll be molded and then I'll make them in resin. So I'm um, working in brass just cause it's like slick and sexy and easy to work with. So, and it gives me an excuse to exercise my skills on my, on my new lathe up here. So I'm playing with that and, uh, my fireman's axe is over a million views in a week, which is now my fastest growing video. And I, I don't know what's going on. I guess it was my mention on Gizmodo that has blown my channel up. My channel, I'm getting like 10,000 subscribers a day for the last two days. I don't know how long that wave's going to last, but it's really super exciting. So whoever's responsible for that, thank you. You probably already subscribed if you're listening. So it's any newbies out there. Thank you. And that's it. Just, uh, Working on some new stuff. I actually, you know, in, in because of this Chrome Axe black handle thing, I'm kind of slowly thinking of like trying to make a series of them for sale. So not for videos, but for sale. So just the way this company Best Made made a bunch of axes, like they just paint the handles and make these axes. I think I might do a Chrome 
hatchet or axe with a black handle. That's easier to make than the aluminum one, so I'm going to look into putting a line of those together. So that's something I've been considering and thinking about. And uh, the ice picks got shipped last week, so everyone should be getting their ice pick if you haven't gotten it by now. I've got a lot of mentions on Facebook in the last couple days. So, yeah, so that's it. Making more coming up in the next month. I got to see the axe in person over the weekend, and it is as sexy in person as it is on video. I love the handle. It's like just jet black, but you can still see the green in there. It's, just, it's beautiful. That's called Lockwood dye. That's a great, that's great. Just You see in the video just one coat, and it's pure black. It's called Lockwood dye. It comes as a powder, and you dissolve it in alcohol or water, and it's just, it's, it's incredibly potent. It's great stuff. If you're really trying to go for black. Well, for me, uh, I put out a video this morning of some hexagon coasters that have magnets in them so you can snap them all together. And um, yes. it's actually gotten a really good reaction, which I, it was kind of one of those things I just kind of, since I'm working on the arcade, it's taking up most of my shop and I'm having trouble making other things of any size. So I'm having to do you know smaller projects. So I kind of thought, oh, this will be an interesting challenge just to cut a hexagon on the table saw. Uh, and then I had to figure out how to make it a little bit more interesting than that. So I did the magnets and the edges so that you can kind of turn it into a puzzle. And uh, people are really liking it today. So that's cool. And then today, for next week, um, I'm actually installing the snorkel on my Land Cruiser. So that's been interesting. It was really nerve-wracking to drill like a three-and-a-half-inch hole in the side of the truck and hope it was in the right place. <laughs> you could always buy a new fender. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could. <laughs> Explain to me what this snorkel is. Okay, so any you know automobile has an air intake, which pushes air into the engine, which it uses to you know run the engine. And... Most of them are inside the engine compartment or in the fender so that as the car's moving forward, it's pushing up air up into the thing. And so you can get all sorts of different air intakes to make cars have cleaner or better air or more air or whatever. Um, but since they're in the engine compartment, if you drive through water, they'll get water in them. You get water in the engine, that's bad. So the snorkel connects to that instead of the inlet that is typically there, you basically extend it through the body of the car outside and then up the side uh, by kind of like up where the headliner would be, up in that area. It's on the outside. And so it is literally a snorkel, so you can drive in water and get air from above the water. Hmm. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. yeah. When your neighborhood floods, you'll be the guy that saves everybody. That's right. I mean, I won't want to open the door to save anybody because then the inside of the car would flood. <laughs> Just hop on top. You'll drive to them and say, grab the handles and I'll pull you out. Yeah. Well, see, the next thing will be to build a big rack on the top and like some sort of ladder so I can drive by. They can climb up the ladder, get on the rack. But no, seriously, Savannah does flood quite a bit. There's several areas that uh, I've seen flood, in, not in a, a truck like mine, but like a small car would flood up to the windows, you know. Um, if you're parked on the street. So there actually might be a few places where I may use it someday. But really, it's more just like, I want to make my truck look a little bit bigger and meaner, and it's just a new thing I've never done before. And, you know. Experimenting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I like it. H have you gotten the LED racks yet? No. No LEDs yet. When is that? When do they come? Uh, I don't know. I haven't ordered them yet, but <laughs> they're in my Amazon wish list. <laughs> 
uh, upstate New York, I mean, uh, you guys might live in a rural area, but in upstate New York, there's a few macho, you know, guys that roll coal and they have the big tubes on the back of their trucks up here. You know, up here is like anywhere in the south. The minute you go 20 miles north of New York City, all of a sudden you're like gone 100 miles south of New York City. And these guys have these 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 light racks on the bars, these light bars on the uh, over the, either over their windshield or right in the nose of their trucks, and you can't see anything. They come driving at you. It's like a UFO is coming at you in the other lane, and they just it's it just basically says, "I don't care about you. Look at how cool I am." That's really what I feel, because they don't turn them on to like point into the woods to go hunting for deer or bury the body they just killed. They just have them on driving around. Yeah, that, well, that's wrong. I mean, they could actually be ticketed for that. I'm pretty sure, you know. <laughs> So yeah, that's me. That's that's what I'm working on. Um, adding the snorkel, and yeah. That's Are you making a video of that? Yeah, I'm making a video of it. I, I I'm really you know since my shop is full of the arcade machine, I'm struggling to to fill you know my schedule with other stuff because it's just in the way. It's huge. It's taking up so much space. And the next stage on that build is I have to go outside and build a um, paint booth in my carport so that I can take the machine out there and do all the painting and the finishing and stuff. And so it's going to be stuck inside until I can get out there and build that paint booth. And, you know, there's still a lot of pieces to it. So I'm kind of struggling to come up with things that I can make in the meantime. And then, you know, we have Thanksgiving this week. And so, but anyway, uh, that's me. So before we get to our, uh, what we're going to talk about today, I want to say thank you to everybody on Patreon, everybody who helps out the show, but especially Nicholas Gomez, Luis Gonzalez, Chris Kopp, and Jeremy White. Those are our top uh, supporters on Patreon. We're really grateful, as always, for those guys. And if you want to help out the show, you can go to patreon.com slash making it, or you can share the show. You can leave us a rating and a review on iTunes, preferably a good one, but, you know, (laughs) (laughs) whatever. Um, Yeah, so you can help us out in those ways. Or just, you know, share it around on Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. That's always helpful and handy. We uh, we were taking some questions from, from people this week, and uh, one of them is submitted from uh, a gentleman named Jonathan, whose last name has a lot of letters in it. And uh, Jonathan says, I had a thought about the diversity. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, I could spell it, but it would, I don't think the show would last that long. His last name's got like 45 letters in it. All right, so Jonathan's question, Jonathan's question is, guys, I had a thought about the diversity of mediums that are used by makers today. Do you think this diversity leads to a plethora of jock-of-all-trades but masters of none? That is the topic of conversation for the next few minutes, and that is probably the one thing a lot of people say about me, that I'm a jock-of-all-trades master of none. So I, a lot of times people say that, and it seems like they're intending it to be an insult, but I don't know. I mean, I became, a, a, I guess if you want to call it a jack of all trades, out of necessity. Because as I was growing up, I, I realized if I wanted to do this, I'd have to turn to that guy. If I wanted to do that, I'd have to turn to that guy. Or if I wanted to weld or if I wanted to machine, I'd have to turn to somebody else. And I, I really like the idea of self-reliance. And even more importantly than self-reliance is my own personal curiosity, it's like, I don't want to say, I'm just a woodworker. I never do metalwork. I can never possibly be as good as I am at woodwork, at metalwork, so I'm never going to try it. I mean, that's is that the attitude that uh, someone that is not a jack-of-all-trades takes? I don't really think so. But 
for me, it's it's really curiosity and self reliance. Those two things. I, I want to be able to to use metal the way I use wood. You know, metal is just wood without grain. That's a little bit harder, and you could weld it together, just like you use wood. You weld it together with wood glue. So you know, you just kind of like readjust your thought process on some of this stuff, and it, it makes it a little bit more viable. I can keep talking, but do you guys have any ideas on this? My thought is most of us are hobbyists, right? We're not many of us get to do, make, and build for a living. So you don't need to be a master if you're just if it's, if woodworking is your hobby or if metalworking is your hobby. You don't need to be a master at that. You just need to know enough to have fun or to build practical things. And like you said, why not learn a, a bunch of things to make it even more fun? You know, or to do something unique and combine these different skills. I'm not a master of anything. I'm just, I just, I learn enough of of one thing and and apply that to the next thing. And and I'm 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 always going to do that. I'm all, like I could I could just continue woodworking and be a, a a master woodworker, but to me that doesn't sound like fun. And that, not to offend anybody who is a master woodworker. Good for you, but I want to learn a bunch of things and and try to do something unique and apply all those techniques to a single project. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think this brings up a few things for me because <clears throat> you know I get this a lot because I bounce all over the place, all sorts of different projects. I make a lot of mistakes in videos, so I'm obviously not a master of any of these things, um, and I don't claim to be. But my personally, my thing is that I, I mean. You know, I'm called I like to make stuff for a reason. There's that was extremely intentional because I don't really care what it's made out of. That's not the point for me. The point is not that I am really good at using wood in this particular way or that I'm really good at cutting things a certain method or whatever. I like the the process of taking stuff and turning it into other stuff and hopefully, you know, having it be useful or have serve some purpose in the process. And so for me, the medium doesn't matter, and having a particular level of skill at any of those different you know processes doesn't really matter. It's the fact that I can get from A to B, or A to Z, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. Um, and I think that also applies, you know, there's a lot of talk, or has been a lot of talk in the past about maker the titles maker versus woodworker or maker versus metalworker. And I don't, I don't think it really matters. It's just semantics, but... I think where that comes from is that people that usually identify as a maker are someone who, like me, they care about the process of creation more than they care about the process of using a particular skill you know, to a degree where they seem like they're a master of it. Um, that, at least that's the way I've always looked at the distinction between those two, You know, that someone identifies with uh, less about the individual process and more about the process of creating overall. Another thing, I've always heard this, and I just looked it up just to be sure, but that quote, Jack of all trades, is never finished. Every time you hear it, it's never finished. The actual quote, well, it's it's built out of several different usages, but um, it says here that it's Jack of all trades, master of none, though though oftentimes better than master of one. (laughs) That's the full thing. I've never heard that. Yeah, uh, I, I heard that somewhere before, but that's an interesting thing to think about. You know, if you if you complete that whole thing and you listen to the you know what it's saying, I have a I have a I have a, a, a good question to put to to everybody, and that would be um, 
if you were uh, if you were to be like in a shipwreck and you're stuck on an island and you were the master of one, for instance, a guy that makes shoes and nothing else, would that be fun? To be stuck on an <laughs> island that's a master of one? How would you get off the island if the guy was a master of just one thing, making shoes, as opposed to a jock of all trades, master of none? Yeah. I would like to be stuck on an island with someone like me. Me too. That knows the idea of making shoes, but I'm not a master at it. You could master a couple things and also know a couple other things. Like, there's no rules. Taylor chimes in. She said, there's no <laughs> rules. You could know everything and not master anything. You could know plenty of things. You could know plenty of things. So, I, I, I riddle me this. Would you rather be stuck on an island with a shoemaker that knew nothing else? So, someone like me that's the jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, so what I was saying was, uh, would you rather be stuck on an island with a guy that only knows how to make shoes? But he makes them, like, really well. <laughs> well, you know, and there's, there's a lot to, like, what your goal is, obviously. If you want to sell shoes for a living, yeah. being really good at making shoes makes the most sense. And, um... But yeah, of course. You know, it just depends on what your goal is and what you're trying to accomplish and how you're making your living and and like you said, David, a lot of the people that are yeah. listening to this or you know watch videos or make videos, they're not really making a living off the thing that they're doing. They're just trying to share some knowledge or they're trying to learn something new and to force yourself to keep that within a really you know kind of narrow view of of all the different skills that are out there. That seems. Unless that's just what you want to do, that seems yeah, like prohibitive. You know, a lot of people say, like I said, I've said it just now, but a lot of people say to me in my videos, like you're a master, you're jack of all trades, master of none. But I never claim to be a master of anything. Uh, so it's, uh, it's like, for instance, when I put up these most recent knife videos, a lot of people say, "Well, I always say I'm just experimenting," and that's a way to sort of ward off the the know-it-alls. And and simply by me saying in my descriptions, I'm experimenting and I'm learning. The the comments that have come to me have been much more warmer and a little bit more, a lot more offering help and not critical. So if I was to say, I made this knife and that was my description, people would be very critical of me. But by me simply saying, I'm experimenting, I'm venturing into the idea of learning how to make knives better and better, it's it's made the comment section more communal and, and more open and, and honest uh, distribution of, of information. So... Uh, that's something I've learned as far as, you know, venturing into something that I know I'm not very good at, but, you know, dipping into the pool and saying, here, I'm here to learn and I, I want to get better at this. So if anybody has a thing to offer, please make it, make it known in the comments. And I've gotten some really, really great emails as well of guys who've seen my knife making skills and, you know, compliment me at, you know, some things and, and help me through others. So, um, you know, it's, it's tough putting yourself out there on YouTube. We know that. Um, but if you're, if you're make it clear that you're just, you're learning the things you don't, you're not really good at. And even the things I know I'm really good at, I never lay claim to being a master at them because there's always somebody better than me. And there's always something, there's always something to be learned. And, you know, the people that I've ever hung out with, like, for instance, like the guy who, who, who there's a, there's a channel called tips from a shipwright. He seems to be a master, but he also, when you watch him, he's also seems to be the type of guy that is also totally anxious to learn something new. So if you meet, I think if you meet some good masters, they're the type of people that have open minds, you know, quote unquote masters. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, I would, I would assume that somebody who is a master of something, like a true, true master, they got that way because they love to learn and they deeply sought knowledge, you know, and just kept going down a track. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it's, it's not like those things have to be exclusive, mutually exclusive. You know, you can, mm -hmm. 
you can be a master of something and still want to learn as much as you can about anything. I mean, I know like some musicians, in fact, uh, my wife's cousin, um, the whole family of cousins, actually, they're all incredible musicians and they're, most of them are extremely skilled in one instrument. Um, and you can, I mean, like you hear them play this instrument and they're, they're young and you're just blown away, but then they go walk over to every other instrument in the room and, they're also really good on those instruments, you know, but they, they focused enough on one thing to get really, really good at it, but they didn't lose like, well, I'm never going to play the guitar because I'm really good at piano. You know, that just makes you a better musician all the way around if you're willing to you yeah. know, expand into the related stuff. And I think it's the same thing for us. Yeah. I think it's just important. It's important to be able to apply what you know to other things too. It, it's it just exercises your skill. And you're problem solving. I mean, if you can problem solve in, in steel and machining, it, it'll just make you a better woodworker because, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to, to do those same things in wood. You know, if you could figure out how to make a joint in steel and, you know, making it in wood is that much easier. I mean, you know, that might, that's a very generalized statement, but the idea of, you know, working in one material and then bringing it back to something else or vice versa. You know, I'm not very good at leather work, but I'm willing to experiment and play around with the different methods. And, uh, you know, I, I watch a lot of leather work videos and plus Taylor does it. So I learned from her as well. So, and, but I would never consider myself a master at leather work, but I can certainly make something I'm proud of. And I, and I think that's pretty important is to be able to say you're, you're proud of something and not necessarily a master of it. I was going to say, sometimes not knowing is to your benefit. It helps you create, be a little bit more creative because you don't know everything about this certain craft. And so you might do something that nobody has ever done because you are not within the lines. You're not in that box. And that being said, a couple of the comments I've gotten from my knife maker, uh, my new knife maker friends, that's like, oh, wow, you have a, such a different approach than, you know, a lot of the traditional knife maker guys. And, and it's refreshing to see just basically just what you just said, David. So it is true. Yeah. Like another way to think about it too, I think along the same things that you're saying is if you look at the products around us, the things that we use every day, they're rarely ever made out of one material. They're rarely ever made out of one method, you know, like a process. Everything is combination, you know, our desks are a combination of wood and metal and plastic or whatever. Mm -hmm. And right. those, most of those products are built by teams of people who are made up of people who specialize in each of those individual things, right? So there's a place for masters. There's a place for all those things when they work as a team to create something that's integrated and it crosses materials and crosses processes. And so that's one way to do it. The other way to do it would be to have a shallow knowledge of several things and be able to do all those different pieces yourself, um, you know, with different results. You're going to definitely have different results. But if you were to think about Jimmy going into his shop and saying, like, I want to make a knife, so I'm going to make the knife blade and then I'm going to have somebody else come in and make the wooden handle for me. I mean, we would all think that's ridiculous. Why would Jimmy do that? Huh. Jimmy can do that. You know, he can do those multiple things and put them all together to make one product made out of different materials and different processes. And so it's just, you know, there's no right or wrong. There's no yes or no. Or and then also, like for instance, Bob, with where, where like you would you would make something on the Arduino, or you know, you would put together an electronics thing. Twenty years ago, that was a very specialized subject. I mean, there were people who knew how to make circuit boards. That was like literally speaking to a Martian, somebody who knew how to make a circuit board. And now it's so much more accessible. Even I, like I could, I could, you know, knuckle my way through a, a 
develop to programming an Arduino or, or out of fruit if I wanted to, or raspberry Pi, whatever it's called, you know, if I just go to the YouTube channel and do it, and I'm sure I can get my blinking light going within a couple hours. And then for me to take it to the next, the next step and, you know, make like uh, LEDs that scroll on a screen or something, I could definitely do, I know I could do that. You know, that's like getting myself off of that Island. I know I could figure out a way to do that. Whereas, you know, it's like if I had to turn around tomorrow and, and learn how to put a circuit board together, I would never be able to do that. Not nearly as quickly as it would be to be able to program a, a, a thing. I mean, I, I know I wouldn't be good at it, but it's, I'm saying it's just much more accessible to the, to the layman than it used to be. It seems. Do you agree or disagree with me? I agree with that. Yeah. I, I think maybe that doesn't apply as much in woodworking and metalworking stuff. I don't know. Maybe it does, but you're totally right about the electronics. Is it? And, and that's a yeah. good thing that that's a lot more accessible than it used to be. Yeah. But we've now all learned the way to get Jimmy stuck on an Island is just to put him on there with the raspberry. <laughs> <laughs> I need a good internet connection, a good YouTube channel, and I might be able to figure it out. <laughs> and I might, well, the shoemaker is going to make the keyboard. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> it's a coconut keyboard. I'm glad that shoemaker has yeah. a role in this. <laughs> oh, I got to look at him and say, make something. Otherwise, you gotta, you're gotta. you not getting off the island. Make a pair of swim fins. And he'll go, but I only know how to make leather saddle shoes. I'm like, you better learn how to make swim fins or you're going to turn into a skeleton. <laughs> you guys got anything else on that? We have a few other questions we can uh, jump to. Just real quick, and one last thought is there. We've witnessed um, some bigger companies in the past few years who only specialize in one thing, and that one thing kind of goes away, or the technology surpasses them, and then they either have to fall apart or they have to pivot. So it's if you specialize in just one thing, you might you might get you might find yourself stuck in a situation. Yeah. And I think the line there is like, not to be, not to say like, I have to know a little bit of everything or I can only know a lot of one thing. It's just to be open and flexible, you know, to pivot, like you say, just to be ready to do that at any given time. I think that's super important and just makes your problem solving better, I think. But mm-hmm. all right. So we got a, a few from uh, Daniel, Dan, the maker, Dan, the maker man on Twitter. Um, he's sent some good questions over and I really like this one. And I'm curious to hear your answers, both of you guys. So he said, is there one piece of art that is your absolute favorite? And what piece of art inspires you to want to create something? Do you have a single thing that really, really stands out? Uh, well, for me, I've said it before, the, uh, Richard Serra, steel sculptures when i when i see them it's just it, to me it's just amazing representation of what man can do it's almost like on a microcosm like what egyptian art is but when you think about egyptian art was created over generations and when you think about richard Serra's sculptures they're made in some industrial complex somewhere by somebody who had a vision and and if anybody doesn't know what i'm talking about it's these tremendous giant steel plates that are bent into, for instance, the figure eight, actually like the, the letter eight, like a, like a times Roman letter eight, for instance, but you'll be standing inside of it and the metal's bent in all these compound angles and it's 25 feet in the air. And like you'll let, you're standing inside of what would be like the silhouetted edge of the letter. And you look around you and, you know, it's, it's 30 feet, 40 feet on the floor. And these plates of metal weigh tens of thousands of pounds. 
and whenever I'm, I'm up near one of those sculptures, I always think to myself, it's just amazing that, you know, this is one person's vision and what he's able to accomplish. Obviously, he's making these giant sculptures in like a shipyard that can bend metal for giant plates of ships and stuff. But the idea that not only is this his beautiful vision, but he's able to find somebody to fund these projects and then have them on display and then have them moved around the country, all in the name of art, is just incredible to me. Yeah, I mean, his his work first came to light because when I was a student at School of Visual Arts, they were moving one of his sculptures in the city and the crane slipped and the sculpture fell and severed one of the moving men's legs. And that was the first time I heard his name. And so that got me curious. I'm like, this guy's making sculptures that are so heavy that they can literally, I mean, he kind of got like a bad name at the time for it. This is in the 80s. And then I started uh, noticing more and more of his work around New York City. And, and then now he's at the, uh, the Dia Beacon. There's a couple of huge permanent installations. That's a big giant art museum in upstate New York. Used to be the Nabisco Cookie Factory, and it's in Beacon, New York, and some of his pieces are there, and they'll be there forever. I mean, the building will fall down, and those pieces will still be there. The, the plate steel is like two inches thick. That's what I compare myself to from time to time. You know, thinking like, if I if I'm having trouble with this, if he could do that, I could do this kind of thing. So I don't think I have an answer that's going to please Daniel because there's you not. You don't have to please Daniel. <laughs> I yeah. Uh, maybe this answer is not going to please anybody, but I don't have a single piece of art or work that I draw inspiration from. I kind of look at things as a collection. So this artist might have a collection of art. I never judge anybody by one piece. I judge them by their entire collection. If you went through my iTunes collection on my computer, everything is a full album. There are no one single songs from an artist. Because I like a body of work. I like I like full albums. And so I can't, I can't I can't think of one piece. I can think of like stuff from and I always say this, Ray and Charles Eames or Nakashima or Sam Maloof. I just I look at things as a collection. I think that's a, actually a good explanation of it. Because, you know, it's easy to look at a single piece and get a kind of miss represented view of you know what an artist does as a whole because sometimes they experiment like this painting or this song or whatever is totally out of left field from what they normally do and that's all you ever see and i hope i don't get judged by just one piece i hope i get judged by my entire collection yeah so for me i have a couple and i don't know why these stick out in my mind because i haven't thought about these two paintings in I don't even remember the last time I thought about him. But when he said art, these are the first two things that came to my mind. So <clears throat> I went to art school, and you, when you're in art school, you have to take a whole bunch of art history classes where you learn about you know, who painted what and what year and who built what building and what year and how, all this stuff. Tons of just mindless knowledge that somehow stuck with me. So you got two things. One is, and I can't remember the name of the painting, but it's by Goya, and it's like, Somebody Eating His Son, I think is the name of it. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever heard this? It's horrifying. It's a horrifying painting. But it stuck out to me because it's like someone took a nightmare and put it straight onto the canvas. And I don't know why. Like, I don't particularly like the image, but the image is, it's amazing that somebody could take something that was obviously like a traumatic thing for them or like they tied it to something like that and then they put it into... But anyway, it's this, it's this really scary looking dude. Like, it's like Neptune eating his son, maybe, or something like that. But 
it's a scary looking painting. Um, but Goya was a really famous uh, artist and you know, just did lots of stuff. But that one always stuck out to me. There's another one that's entirely opposite from that, um, and I can't remember who painted it, but it's called Flaming June. You've ever heard of this painting? Yeah, the other one is Saturn Saturn Devouring His Son. That's it, Saturn Devouring His Son. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Flaming June is beautiful. It's just this painting with all these, there's like shimmery, it's this woman with red hair and shimmery colors and lots of, I don't know, it's just, it's gorgeous. And it actually inspired the first band I was ever in in high school. Oh, wow. Uh, we were named June, J-O-O-N, after this painting. Um, and uh, for some reason, that one's always kind of stuck with me. But how that relates to being inspired now, I have no idea. Because <laughs> those, I haven't thought about them in years. But at the time, you know, those, but those did have an impact on me when I saw them for the first time. How it relates is that stuck with you. So maybe there's things that you make that are going to stick with other people, right? So your arcade cabinet, that's that's a big project. Your lightsaber, like people have gone nuts over that. So some of these projects are going to stick with us and we're going to remember them for a long time. Hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. So the Flaming June looks like a Maxfield Parrish painting. And if anybody hasn't looked at Maxfield Parrish's paintings, they're a really incredible study of, of light and uh and, and just, you know, imagery of nature and clouds and that type of stuff. Uh, his paintings have always been in the back of my mind whenever I see realism. So take a look at Maxfield Parrish's stuff. It reminds me of this picture that you have, Flaming June. All right. And I just remember seeing a Maxfield Parrish, Maxfield Parrish, I think I'm saying his name right, for the first time and thinking to myself, wow, amazing. And then I realized it was a whole category of art that he did like that. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks like this was by Sir Frederick Layton, which probably doesn't mean mm-hmm. anything to anybody, but that's who did Flaming June, in case you're curious. Yep. Uh, I'll put links to pictures and stuff in the show notes so everybody can check them out. I love drawing inspiration from things that are completely unrelated to what I'm doing. Yeah. And that's it's it allows you to be creative. It allows you to take somebody else's art and twist that around and put that into what you're doing. So if a painting inspires you to do something with wood... Hmm. Let it happen. That's a good call. Yeah. We got some other questions, but I think we should save them for next week. Um, you guys want to talk about what we're watching? You guys have been watching anything cool? Sure. So mine, um, I'm not watching anything. I have, my is a iPad app. Hmm. And it, <laughs> I know, right? I'm, I'm, I'm jumping the, the walls here. But it really relates to our topics of um, jack of all trades and it's relevant to art so i've been playing with this new app and it's for ipad only so uh it only appeals to a narrow band of our audience but it's called procreate and it's a painting app and it's like six dollars and it is crazy amazing there are so many things like the brushes that you can use so i'm i'm just starting to get into digital painting and this app is really helping me understand painting. So I can draw okay, but I've never attempted painting. And I've maybe one of the reasons I've never wanted to is because I don't want to get into buying brushes and paints and learning the difference between all the different paints and, and stuff. So digital painting is, is the way to go. So I've been watching. I read the entire manual for this app. And we all know app manuals are long and boring. And then I've been watching digital painting tutorials on on Linda, and so it's 
that's the one I'm getting into. I'm just expanding myself in, in one other way, and it's real cool, and that's called Procreate. Uh, I started watching. It's funny when you learn from young people. My neighbor, Luis, he's, uh, he's about 13 years old, and he comes and hangs out in our apartment once in a while. And he was up on the computer, and I said, what are you watching? He goes, oh, it's Zach King's Vines. Have you guys ever seen Zach King and the vines he makes? You got to look him up right now. Zach King, he makes incredible vines. His... His videos are literally 10 and 12 and 5 seconds long. But he does magic tricks, video magic tricks. And, of course, it's all completely done in whatever, Adobe Premiere or whatever. But he does them so well. He'll be, like, crumbling a piece of paper and then it turns into a puppy. Or he, like, jumps through a wall and his clothes hit the wall and he's on the other side. He comes around naked. It's hilarious. It's got a great sense of humor and a great sense of spontaneity. Do you remember those, like, videos where, like, it shows the kids, like, playing around with, like, a, a thing in, like for a video game and it shoots a kid and all of a sudden he turns into a chicken, like, in the backyard? supposed to look like it was like a series of commercials a few years ago it was supposed to look like kind of like a jackass type commercial with kids playing with a gun and then all of a sudden the guy turns into like a chicken and shoots away from the yard it's like it's like that i mean it seems like that commercial was might have might have been made based on what he does so zach king zach king vines he's got a youtube channel it's not huge but he's definitely huge on vine and some of his videos on you know it's the type of thing that gets reposted by everybody else's channel some of them have like hundreds of millions of views they're incredible King. And you'll watch it and you'll think to yourself, how can I do some better magic tricks on in my video editing? It's incredible. Uh, for me, I wanna, I've only seen one video and I want to share it because it's, her name is Lara Camp, And she's one of our Patreon supporters and she's one of my Patreon supporters. And she actually sent me a really nice gift in the mail. But none of those reasons are why I want to talk about her. Because she put up her first YouTube video the other day, and it's her making a walnut lamp. And it's it's way better done than it should be for the first video. <laughs> it's, it's a really great video. And it's an interesting project, a really nice, like she did a great job with it. And um, I don't know, I just want to encourage her to continue to do it because it's it's one of those kind of like Jocko whatever where, you know, they're just like unnecessarily good. And and that's going to push everybody up to do better. And so I want to encourage people like that. So go check out Laura Camp. I'll, um, does she have a blog? She doesn't have a blog or does she have a blog? I don't know. Not that I know of, but maybe. This, uh, a girl named Laura Camp showed up as a blog, but it seems like it might be German. It's Yeah, she's German. Uh, it's K-A-M-P-F. This okay, camp. this is. There's a blog called I Made This, but it might not be her because if she is it her first video or our first project? First video that I know. Okay, because then there's some beautiful handmade projects, so maybe this is her. Yeah. yeah. So we'll put a link to the video, and if you guys want to find out more about her, I'm sure there's info you can find around. Oh, by the way, did you see Jocko Whatever put up a video that he made in my shop the day before we all hooked up? But I wasn't there. So him and Dave made a video. I was supposed to be there and work with these guys. But they made a – Jocko made a beautiful video in my shop with a new, beautiful, incredibly high-tech camera that he bought, which shoots 9,000 frames per second. It's a new Sony camera. He got it and came right to my shop with it. It wasn't even opened yet. He opened it in the, in the shop and uh, he shot some real interesting slow-mo stuff with Dave and him working on this, making a little knife. That's it. Thank you to everybody that came out to Rochester. We had a nice group of fans out there and get to meet some of the guys from uh, the Facebook page. So thank you guys. It was really fun to hang out with you. And, you know, thank you for the love and support all around. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I shot some video, but the the audio in that room was horrible. I can't only imagine what the video is going to sound like. So I don't don't know if it's going to we're going to be able to scratch something together, but I'll probably give Dave all the footage and let him dig into it. 
Yeah, thanks to everybody that came out. It was really awesome to get to talk to everybody. And especially, I don't know if they're listening, because I don't know if they listen to this show or not, but Jack and Ella, these two young kids that mm-hmm. came to meet me, and Ella made something, and I'm not sure what it was, because she was too shy to say. But she <laughs> made something, and then it was too big to bring. So she drew a picture of it, oh, this piece of paper, and then drew a picture of her and said, it said, Ella the Woodworker, across the top of it. And on the back, it said, please show to Bob from I Like to Make Stuff. It was oh. so sweet, and I've got this piece of paper. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna hang on to that one. But it was really cool to meet them and everybody else as well. But yep. most of the you know grown up dudes were not as cute as these little kids. So right, and thank you. Shout out to Jesse for for bringing us up there. So thank you, Jesse. And if you don't know who Jesse Houston is, you should go check him out as well. He's one of our patrons, but he's doing this really crazy. Uh, he makes sear wheels. And if somebody doesn't know what a sear wheel, don't feel bad because I didn't know it either. <laughs> it's one of those wheels that like circus people get into and they're like six foot aluminum wheels and you get in and you spin around and you do all this crazy tricks and stuff in. And he's, he makes these rings, these wheels, and now he's putting LEDs in them so that they light up and have all these crazy patterns when they're spinning around. It's, it's incredible. It's crazy. So full, full circle forge, I think as he is on Instagram. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, I guess it's after Thanksgiving. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Just a couple days and yesterday. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you, guys. I love you. <laughs>